sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome back. This is Hour 2 of Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Make sure you follow us on social media at SportsGrid and, of course, on our website, as I mentioned, SportsGrid.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish, Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizapia 17 as we basically get to the end of the line for a lot of folks in fantasy football. I'm hoping that most of you watching the show all season long are going to be headed toward the playoffs, but for a lot of people, this is it, Joe, and so... For you, um, mentioning, I, I think, I'm not sure how many playoff leagues you'll be in or not, maybe half, less, more, I'm not sure. What will your attention turn to when your <laughs> fantasy football seasons come to an end? Will it be oh, my. college basketball? Will it be NBA? Will it be sports betting? Will it be Netflix? Will it be wrestling? <laughs> well, what do I leave out? It's always wrestling. Barbecue? Well, it's, it's always- it's always wrestling. I do like a good barbecue as well. Um, well, the immediate attention goes obviously to the fantasy baseball black book, which we're trying to get out December 15th on Amazon. So that's the immediate attention. So that, that's got all of it. And then that's just a lot that comes with all of that and that preparation. So the team is working really, really hard on that. I got Scott, the Paul Spore pitching profiles that just came in this week. Uh, Paul's a friend of the show here. He's always does great work there. Eric Cross is nobody better in terms of prospects than him. Uh, he's doing some fantastic stuff in the book. So look, that, that's that got the number one uh, focus for sure. But uh, I will say this, uh, and I even talked about it with you. I said, I want to keep Benny around. I want to talk NBA. I think we need to, uh, you know, expand our horizons. And, I, and I've been a, um, I've been a bad man because I, I've drifted away from the NBA over the years and I'm trying to get back into it. I told you last year, I You're wanted really. to get back into it. I know, but then what happened was the COVID season hit, and then everything happened at once, and I had no ability to do that because I had everything Listen, at one time. I don't think I there's anything ball. wrong with with just bailing on on a sport. I mean, look, you're married. I'm a, okay. I'm married. You were married. You have two kids. You're a single dad. You don't have time to pay attention to Golden State, Sacramento, and. 1 a.m. Well, in the I've morning. I've got more time for that than I do college basketball because college basketball to me is just college basketball like, is much better. <laughs> it's it's not, yeah, but you have a different. See, I have a. I worked with some of these teams for a little while, and I got a really bad taste in my mouth from the dirty underbelly of college basketball that I really just didn't care for, and some of the exploitation of some of the student athletes. And I just said, you know, I just can't do this really don't like this scene not a big fan of the scene but here's the thing the nba i, I could i could see it these guys are there year after year i get the i get a sense of things and college basketball these guys are there sometimes one year and then they're gone i don't know anybody pretends that they're a college basketball expert i know there's a handful that really are but that's tough to me and then everybody's oh everybody knows everything about the tournament and yet nobody gets anything right in the tournament everybody fills out those brackets everybody's all of a sudden a genius for two weeks and then by the time we're a week into the tournament everyone's lighting those ballots on fire yeah look all all of that is true i i I prefer college sports and football and basketball to the to the professional sports it's just i don't know there's something this year maybe not as much it is i mean college is really based on fans and based on students and not having them this year has really hurt it's it's uh hasn't been as enjoyable for me watching i watch the gators every week but beyond that, unless it's a betting game of some kind, I'm I'm tuned out. 
And it's going to be really interesting for me. I, I believe that, look, no matter what, I'll be watching the NFL playoffs. Look, it's 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 fun. It's one game. It's do or die. But it is different for me if I'm not in the fantasy football playoffs um, because mm. then it would be just strictly focusing on the two or three games that I'm in on in terms of wagering every week. I don't know that I would watch all the games like I do now because the way that I've explained it, I explained to my wife as well, is that how can I come on Monday and do this show without watching everything because the stats don't always in fact maybe i don't know less than half the time really tell the story like how would if i didn't watch damian harris i would have just thought oh he had an average game but it burns me to think that the guy could have scored a couple different times Mm -hmm. and and if i didn't watch deontay johnson drop those passes i would look at his numbers and go oh he had a pretty good day but it should have been a lot better and so Mm -hmm. I don't mind that burden during the NFL season, but I accept it because of fantasy. If there is no fantasy, it is only strictly the games that I'm interested in in terms of wagering, and I'll still be locked right. into those, of course, on Sunday. But um, I can watch any random college basketball game and enjoy it. It's just weird. I don't know. It's just yeah. Weird see, I can't. I, don't, I, I can't, can't do that. I I can watch. I can watch and football. College football. College football. I actually enjoy quite a bit. I told you this past weekend. I actually got to watch three whole games start to finish, which is not something I've been able to do all year. It's been really busy in terms of like everything just happening at once and converging. But I I think college football. I agree with you. This without the fans. You know, not the crazy things going on with the band and this and that and all that stuff. It doesn't feel quite the same. There's definitely that aspect that's been cut out of it. But you're seeing some great quarterback play right now in college football. And that is very exciting because for me, all I see is Black Book 2021 for NFL. Like I'm looking at these guys already in prospects and trying to figure out how that's going to affect the offenses. And, And yeah, and that's the thing. Like, oh, I'm already getting excited about the prospects of Lawrence, the prospects of, of, of fields of these kind of guys entering the NFL and what they can possibly do, because we've seen the young quarterbacks come in and just flat out change some organizations in year one. And that's been a stunning thing. I mean, look at the Cincinnati Bengals this year, bro. Look at Herbert. I mean, look at what's gone on this year with Kyler Murray. I mean, it's been really fantastic what we've seen the last few years. It has, it has. And, and look, I'm hopeful that i mean we're down to 34 bowls now i think i'm hopeful that we're gonna have let's say 30 bowls this season i'm not optimistic of that but 30 would be a good number because that is where you can really pick up a lot of uh you know notoriety with some of these mm-hmm. lower schools that end up playing at least in one big game if they didn't make their conference championship all right jim sanis joins us next dfs action on tap sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com and welcome back to fantasy sports today week 13 of the nfl season in season-long fantasy folks it's coming to an end for a lot of you so why not just pick up your ball take it over to FanDuel, and over to the dfs site follow jim sanis on twitter at jim sanis all of his work at number fire make some money here with us throughout the rest of the regular season in the nfl jim great to see you here on this friday i hope your thanksgiving was good great to catch up with you today yeah, same to you, Craig. It's going to be back here. and it, Hopefully it's a less hectic slate this week because there's a lot of late-breaking news last week that really jumbled things up. So I'm hoping for a little bit more of a calm slate this week. Yeah, for sure. And again, we have a game on Sunday night, a game, two games on Monday night, a game on Tuesday, and two teams off. 
So we have to really hone in and make the right decisions this week. The choices are not as much as potentially they would, even with a couple of teams on a bye. So let's dive right in and take a look at quarterback. And we'll start off with coming off that unbelievable Thanksgiving performance. Deshaun Watson, the highest price this week at 8,200 on the Sunday slate, taken on Indianapolis. Ryan Tannehill, surprisingly, at 7,800 is second. We have Taysom Hill at 7,700. He's got that matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan coming off the week last week where they throttled the Raiders, takes on New Orleans. Hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick checks in for the first time this season on our options at 7,400, taking on Cincinnati, although it's either him or Tua or him or Tua. I don't completely know there. Uh, Kirk Cousins at 7,300, Jacksonville and Minnesota. And then let's stop with Derek Carr here of the Las Vegas Raiders. So not the household names, uh, Jim, normally that we are looking at. Am I missing somebody here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a jumbled slate for sure because you don't have Patrick Mahomes. There's no Josh Allen. Kyler Murray is banged up. He's $8,700. So, like, you could go there, but definitely a tough spot for him. I think that my favorite quarterback of this week is actually Justin Herbert. He is $7,900, and Herbert is facing the Patriots. And we know the Patriots' defense is not what it was. We loved Deshaun Watson a couple weeks ago against him, and now it's Herbert facing them. And Herbert's been really good this year, regardless of the, the strength the opponent he's faced. And the Patriots are just 17th against the pass based on number fires metrics. So I like Herbert quite a bit. I also do like Ryan Tannehill in that high-scoring game against the Cleveland Browns. There's going to be a lot of Derrick Henry there, but I think you can pair Tannehill with Derrick Henry and just soak up every point the Titans score and every yard they accumulate. So I think that Herbert and Tannehill, probably my two favorite guys this week. Again, I do think that like Aaron Rodgers is in play. Murray's in play if you have faith in that shoulder. But to me, I think it really does come down to Herbert and Tannehill as those mid-range guys in the high 7,000s. All right, let's take a look at the running back position. Pretty cut and dry at the top. We have Dalvin Cook uh, weighing in at 10,500. Derrick Henry coming off his great week at 10,000. Nick Chubb only 8,700, even performing like the top guys. He's sitting there against Tennessee. Uh, Robinson at 7,800. And, of course, some... Other good options there, we have uh, Josh Jacobs, 7,800, Alvin Kamara. Uh, I was really slipped back a little bit, so I don't know that he's an option at 7,500. Which way would you go here at running back this week? I think that you, if you can get Dalvin Cook and, and Derrick Henry in the same lineup, you should because they're both just phenomenal plays, and that's obvious. We don't need to spend too much on them. They're both very good. If I had to choose one, I'd pick Derrick Henry, but, you know, Dalvin's great too. I think if you're looking for a guy who is hyper under salary, go to Austin Eckler. He is $7,000, and he had, like, an outlierish workload in his first game back off of injury, and it makes sense because Kalen Balage uh, was out. Joshua Kelly didn't do much when Austin Eckler was back. Like, they need production at the running back position and Austin Eckler brought that. So I think that Eckler, I think is the best play on this slate, regardless of salary, $7,000, just to, it's way too low for someone with his workload. I want to get him in as many lines as I possibly can keep an eye on Josh Jacobs because he is banged up right now. If he cannot go Devonte Booker is $6,000. I think the Booker would be a good option for sure to save some salary, maybe use him with Eckler to get to Derrick Henry or Dalvin cook. I think that's the main route for this week is focusing on Eckler, Henry and cook using Devontae Booker as a value play, but then also guys like potentially David Montgomery uh, providing some value as, as well at $6,200. All right, over to wide receivers we go, and Devontae Adams has been arguably the best play in DFS all season long, at least the most consistent play. I mean, Tyreek Hill, of course, went off last week, no doubt about that. Um, okay, so Adams is priced at 9500 on FanDuel this week. He's the top guy, followed by DK Metcalf at 8500 What a season he is having. Calvin Ridley 
8,400. Uh, we have A.J. Brown of Tennessee at 8,200. Keenan Allen's pretty much plug-and-play at 8,100. Uh, with Julio Jones still questionable for this week, we work our way down to DeAndre Hopkins at 8,000. Tyler Lockett at 7,900. So certainly, look, we're not going to get Tyreek Hill because he is not on the main slate. We'll be missing him for sure. The Steelers, usually their receivers are always good for a flex option. They're going to be playing on Monday night. And then, of course, uh, Dallas is Cooper and, and sometimes even playing CeeDee Lamb is worth it. But uh, again, all these guys are off. Tampa Bay is on a bye. I feel like wide receivers very much up in the air after the top guys this week. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think that for me, that pushes me to pay down at wide receiver. Because again, if I want to jam in uh, Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry, I've got to spend down somewhere. And I think their receiver is a good spot to do so. It's not a value play, but Cooper Cup, I think, is kind of the Austin Eckler of wide receivers where he is super under salary. It's $6,600. Tremendous workload for him this entire year for the Rams. And he's been getting more high leverage targets recently. They're facing the Cardinals. It's a high-paced game. Both these teams in the top seven in situation-neutral pace, according to Football Outsiders. So they're there should be a lot of plays here, and a lot of those plays will go to Cooper Cup. So I love him at $6,600. Going back to that Titans-Browns game, you got Corey Davis and Jarvis Landry, both around $6,000. Both those guys have had really good target shares recently. Both of them will get downfield targets in what could be a high-scoring game. And yeah, we think about the running backs there primarily, but with how much volume and how concentrated the targets are on those two teams— I do think that both Davis and Landry do make a lot of sense. You want to spend down a bit more Denzel Mims. Obviously the quarterback play is shaky at best, mm -hmm. but he's been getting a ton of targets and targets are good. He, he did get some yardage last week against Miami and a much better match of this week with Las Vegas. Also, if Nelson Aguilar is good to go for Las Vegas, I would like him too. So for me, Craig, the main focus at wide receiver is on the guys at cup uh, with cup and cheaper $6,600 on down. I think that cup is really good land. Landry and Davis as well. And then guys like Aguilar and Mims in the mid 5,000s if you want to go there too. Yeah, sure. And, and I think that's really great advice. And, and all season long, it's just been trying to figure out, as you've said, like throwing those guys there at the end, Jim, and trying to win. Um, with the nature of what's happened recently in the NFL, are you apt to play any of the other slates outside of the main with the Sunday night, adding Monday and Tuesday into the mix? I got to be fully transparent. I don't play any of them. I don't even know if they exist over on FanDuel. Are, are you apt? Are you apt for trying those out? Because they, they seem just so random at this point. I mean, I'd love to say that I have the restraint, but I don't like <laughs> if we're going to be fully honest here. I don't have the restraint to, to not play those. And honestly, like, Small slates are fun because there are fewer things that, that can happen. The way I like to play things for NFL DFS is I like to, you know, make assumptions. I like to assume, okay, I think the Titans will win this game by five. If the Titans do win this game by five, who would benefit from that situation? Because they're either going to win by five or they're not. Like, they're, you know, it, right. it's going to be one outcome one way or another. And when you have fewer games to, to dissect, there are fewer possible outcomes and way that the, the slate can go. So as long as you are... I mean, it's cliche to say, tell yourself a story, but you do kind of want to do that. You want to know which teams you're expecting to dominate, which teams you're expecting to maybe struggle a bit and base your plays around that. When I have fewer options and fewer routes that the slate can go, I think that that's really viable. So the smaller slates, I think, as a DFS player, play to my strengths really well. Hmm. So I do like playing them. And, I, you know, again, I like to have restraint, but like realistically, no, I, I don't have restraint. So but I do think that it does play well to my strengths because there are just fewer ways think things can break and you can use that to your advantage as a DFS player. Yeah, it, it's interesting because you hear the comments that you make and you hear other people's comments. They prefer to have the whole slate for me with the little money that I put into this and play. Uh, it's always about just playing that main slate, going yeah. in a tournament, 
and I am essentially trying to get rich quick. Like that, that is my, <laughs> like I am throwing that dart. It is discretionary for me, and so it's my five or ten dollars a week. And if I lose it, I lose it. And if I win, you know, and, and off last week with with playing one of the slates for ten dollars. Uh, you know, look, when when wagering, it's a lot more money for me when it's involved. But putting a ten dollar in, winning a fifty, sure. and we were at week uh, twelve. And I ended up winning, I think, six of the, the 12 weeks, so half the time. But if you add that one big win to half the time, I ended up making, uh, you know, I, I ended up at right. least putting my bankroll back where it's supposed to be. And I'll play a few more this year, and I'll dump, jump back in next year. And I, and I think I, the good thing, too, is, yeah. like, you kind of just need to hit the right combinations. Like, last week it was Tyreek Hill, Derrick Henry. This week yeah. I kind of think it's, you know, pairing those running backs we talked about with just hitting right at quarterback. So – Trying to, you know, build that core with your running back so that if they do go off like Derrick Henry did last week, you can benefit as long as you happen to run into a Tyreek Hill elsewhere. Yeah, got to run into Hill. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Thanks, Jim. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate it. Good luck to you this week. Thank you so much. You too. Follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Sanis, his work over at Number Fire. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. It's time to take a look at the Westgate Super Contest, where Howard Bender and I are in the heat of it. After a one-in-four week two weeks ago, we bounced back to go four-and-one last week. So the last two weeks, we're just kind of staring at the standings here. We didn't move one bit one way or the other, but we really needed that four-and-one. We'll go over some of the picks last week and then get into this week. Howard Bender joins me now here. You can follow him on Twitter at RotoBuzzGuy and over at WagerAlarm and FantasyAlarm.com. Howard, great to be with you here on this Friday. How are you? I'm doing very well, Craig. We finally finished up, uh, you know, a, a very long week 12. I'm ready to get at it for week 13. Uh, for sure. Some really good picks from us last week. We were on the right side. Uh, clearly, the best pick of the week we had was taking Tennessee over Indianapolis. So that means the... These two teams, when they've played each other both times, we've been on the right side there. And then uh, Howard and I made the call last Saturday night, the most important call maybe of our season, to put the Saints in at minus six, knowing that the Broncos quarterback was out. Why that pick was not 100% selected in the Super Contest, Howard, I suppose people may have just submitted their picks early in the day. I mean, that's the only thing that I could really think of because there was no way we were not taking 11 points of value with New Orleans minus six when that game kicked off at minus 17. Yeah, that was a no-brainer. And it also had helped us with the 4-1 and because we pivoted off of that Monday night game with the Eagles. Yes. The line itself was six and a half. On the Westgate, it was only five and a half that they were getting. And so had we not pivoted off of that, it would have been a, a frustrating three and two week. That's for sure. All right, let's kick in uh, off of the four and one week and let's try and do it again. We do have a Tuesday night game this week and we have to make our final decisions Saturday night around midnight on the East Coast. And usually we've been taking this to the wire the last couple of weeks. There's a lot of money involved and we're running out of time. So got to make the most of every second, as crazy as it sounds. Let's start off with the first few games on the schedule. Start off with these four. We got the Chicago Bears favored by three over the Detroit Lions. Miami, a pretty significant favorite over the Cincinnati Bengals. Indianapolis 
is also favored at the Houston Texans. They are minus three and a half. And then the Minnesota Vikings are minus 10 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So essentially here what we have is two big home favorites, a small home favorite, and then a team that I don't know that anybody really knows what to make of in the Indianapolis Colts (laughs) as they go to the Houston Texans. But Howard, what we've been doing over the last couple of years is simply taking the team that fires their coach the next week. And we do have another scenario that presents itself this week. Are you comfortable leaning right now on the Lions at the Bears getting the three points? Well, you know, if if I had to make the decision today, I would probably bypass this one just this time. I know it's 65% of the time it hits. They either The underdog either covers the spread or wins outright the week after firing their coach. To me, the linchpin on this game here is DeAndre Swift. He hasn't been cleared via concussion protocol as of yet. Uh, We probably won't hear about that until Saturday during the day at some point. So if Swift is in, I am in on taking the Lions with the plus three. Even though it's a tough Bears defense, I have no faith in really in their offense to to look at that. So that's kind of where I'm at with, uh, with that Lions pick. As far as the other two, three games go, I mean, we, you know, we've talked back and forth about the Colts and, you know, my feeling if that Colts defense is healthy uh, and I hear that Danico Autry will be playing this weekend, I'll err on the side of the uh, on the Colts defense. It is the only defense when healthy that I trust in the NFL right now. Yeah, I, I think that's the exact statement to make. They, to me, they're the only dominant defense and they do match up pretty well against Houston, a team that's very one dimensional with the quarterback. Bengals good against the spread last week against the Giants catching 11 and a half. We'll consider them uh, Vikings laying a lot of points. It's been up and down. We'll, we'll check back on Saturday on our wager alarm stream to see if we do anything with that game. But the line does seem right. Minnesota should be a favorite. Ten seems like a lot, I will say. Um, yeah. OK, now over to uh, the three uh, more early games here. we got the Raiders going to the Jets, laying eight and a half back to back West Coast to East Coast trips for them. Intriguing one in Atlanta, where the Saints haven't had to do much over the last few weeks with Taysom Hill, but they've done enough to win and cover. The Falcons showed up in a big way last week. They're getting three points at home against the Saints. And then we have the Tennessee Titans, who are back at home, a pretty significant favorite over the Cleveland Browns. And while I do like the Titans in this one, if if Cleveland's up at the end of the game, it gives them a great shot to win because they could run the ball. And conversely, Howard, I don't want to see any part of Baker Mayfield down 10 points with five minutes to go. I I think it would be, I mean, this is not Aaron Rodgers. It is not Patrick Mahomes. It is not Tom Brady. I can see a pick (laughs) six going the other way. So so, uh, how do you see these three plays? It's tough. Uh, You know what? The Raiders, I get the travel across country. I also think that the Raiders got embarrassed by the Falcons this past week. Uh, And I feel like the Jets are the ultimate of slump busters when you're talking about a team to get a team, you know, in the NFL right again. And I think that um, I would lean given the points there. The Jets are just terrible. You can't you can't run Frank Gore 15 times in a game and expect to even come close to winning that game, let alone covering the spread. They only put up three points uh, on Miami last week. So my lean there is the Raiders. Falcons, they always just seem to be one of those teams who always just gnaw at me. And and I love them, I love them, I love them. And then they break my heart over and over again. So I, I would stray away from that one. I do like Tennessee uh, in this game. You know, is the you know, are they begging us to take Tennessee? We just come off of a big game for Derrick Henry, 178 yards with three touchdowns. It almost seems like they're begging you to take it. 
which if you and I do our normal MO, we end up taking the Browns. Yeah, it's usually the way that we go. We, we go contrarian and we go the other side, and that's the way that I would lean early on the week. It's a running team in Cleveland, and that means a low-scoring game and a tight game. Almost every They've played all low-scoring tight games in every game they've played this year except Dallas. That's it. Every other game has been very close and very low-scoring, and that was with Prescott many, many years ago, it feels like. Okay, the afternoon games, 405 Eastern, 105 105 Pacific, Seattle laying 10 against the Giants. We know how good New York has been covering the spread, but it's McCoy this week going to Seattle. Rams and Cardinals, the Rams are laying three on the road at Arizona. The Green Bay Packers will take on the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles unclear at quarterback what they'll do, but regardless, they're catching eight and a half points here. And then the Patriots take on the Chargers. It's a pick them here in the Super Contest. Patriots were minus one. It's now shifted actually to the Chargers being minus one. And I, I don't think we'll ever take the Chargers this season. I just it's 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 a nice trend that we have not <laughs> done. And I'd like to continue that <laughs> as we go. I don't know about taking New England. I'd like to not take the Chargers, though. I would like to not take the Chargers as well. If New England's getting point like you see, it's a pick'em here. But if New England's getting points, I mean, that's a game that I might bet on the side. Uh, and just take New England getting the points for the fact that the charges are always such a mess. For the sake of the contest here, though, um, you know, if Seattle's uh, Seattle picked up Carlos Dunlap at the trade deadline, and I think that was a big boost for them for their run defense. If it's Colt McCoy under center, uh, you know, I mean, you stop Wayne Gallman, what are you really, you know, what, you know, as bad as their secondary is in Seattle, it's still Colt McCoy. So, my lean there is the Seahawks, even though I hate laying 10 points uh, on that one. Rams, Cardinals, could you give me two more up and down teams who just, you know, like really, you can't get a beat on these guys. So um, I'd probably avoid that one. Packers, Eagles, yeah, I mean, I, I think you and I have done enough live streams together uh, where I have I have submitted completely to you. Carson Wentz is terrible. The Eagles are horrible. Their offensive line is atrocious. Craig, I'm so sorry for ever doubting you. I will take the Packers and lay the points. Yeah, and I don't know that we'll go with that. And I don't think Wentz is terrible. I just think that he's he's not good. You know, um, my lean would be the Rams. I've watched the Cardinals play the last month. They've won one game on a hail mary. I think their season is over. I don't love laying points. But I got to be honest, I think the Rams are better than the Cardinals are. I just think they do. They are from top to bottom. And I don't know that Murray is healthy. So that would be an early lean for me. Okay, let's do the uh, Sunday night and then Monday. And, oh, yes, a Tuesday game. Let's throw all four of these in the mix. Why not? It's, it's We're having fun here on a Friday. We got a Tuesday game again. <laughs> Sunday night, Chiefs-Broncos, worst Sunday night game of the year by far. Chiefs are laying 14 Monday night, Bills and 49ers, Bills laying two and a half. That line actually has moved a little bit. Bills only a two-point favorite, maybe one and a half in some spots in Arizona against the 49ers. Steelers against the Washington football team. That line has gone up to eight and a half. Not sure why, but it has. And then Tuesday, Howard and I uh, have discussed this already. We're probably not going to get involved in a Tuesday night game when we have to make the picks on Saturday. Too far out. Uh, Ravens minus nine and a half against Dallas. So any tantalizing of these final four picks? Um, you know, I'd say if the uh, if the Broncos game was in Denver, I'd be inclined to take them with the points. But it's uh, it's Mahomes. It's at home in Arrowhead. So I kind of lean on that side for the Chiefs, even laying those 14. 
just a terrible offense going on in, in Denver right now. It's really, really bad. Um, the the 49ers, I feel like I kind of want to take the 49ers with the points here. They got back Mostert. They got back Debo Samuel. They're getting back Brandon Ayuk. I don't love Nick Mullins, but with the offensive scheme that they run there in uh, in San Francisco, I feel like they can actually keep this game super close. Whether they win or not is irrelevant, but I just don't think the Bills blow them out at all. So I might go uh, San Francisco on that one. And then give me the Washington football team right now. I'm going to do a hot take reaction to give me Washington <laughs> against the Steelers, who just did not show up for Wednesday day football. Yeah, I you know I'm, I think I see it the other way. I think I think Pittsburgh is going to bounce back big. I don't know <laughs> Probably. why. I just I just feel like that's what the line is screaming uh, right now. Is just everyone's going to take Washington and Pittsburgh is just going to blow them out and bounce back. I uh, trust you with the Bills. So whatever direction you want to go with them, I'm on board. And look, if Moster doesn't fumble. And the Rams pick up the ball and run it back. It's a dominant performance from start to finish from San Francisco against the Rams. So interesting take there. We'll make our final picks on the Saturday Night Live stream over at Wager Alarm and WagerAlarm.com. As always, Howard, great to catch up with you here on this Friday. And we will talk again on Saturday. Have a great day. Thanks for having me, Craig. You too. All right. Follow Howard on Twitter at Rotobuzz Guys. Some great fantasy content they got going now. Don't forget, folks, fantasy football playoffs are on deck. You'll need his help. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Make sure you stay on the grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Before we get to a little fantasy reality, just a couple of quick news and notes from the NFL. Good news for Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons, who's back on the practice field today after missing yesterday. And also a report saying that DeAndre Swift could see some plays on Sunday, which is honestly just good news for his health at this point. That's all we're really concerned with, hopefully being able to play and continue to play in the NFL after what appeared to be a very serious concussion. So, Let's get to a little fantasy reality as we end the show. We got the news, Joe, earlier this week that it's going to be a big undefeated showdown coming up on Saturday. BYU and Coastal Carolina, they will face off. And we know that Coastal Carolina, no matter what they do, is not going to get into the college football playoff. But BYU remains a possibility. Some crazy things would probably have to happen, but one of them could occur on Saturday night. Fantasy or reality, the BYU Cougars will move into the top five. I don't see them being in the playoff, but in the top five with a double-digit win against Coastal Carolina on Saturday. Is that fantasy or reality? You know, this is difficult, and this is why I think whenever you have the, the college teams and the different conferences, it becomes very difficult because you don't know what a team is until you start to put them against these elite teams in college, and then sometimes you get – a very rude awakening as some other teams got last year. I remember Notre Dame got some rude awakenings last year. And, you know, whenever you start to play Clemson, whenever you start to play LSU, you go, oh, right, we're not really that good. We're not as good as we thought we were. So I'm going to say this is a fantasy. The only other undefeated team that stands between them right now and that five spot is actually Cincinnati. I'm looking at it properly. They're 8-0. Uh, BYU is at 9-0 right now. So, look, when you're looking at the, the college football 
landscape right now. There's Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State, right? Those are your big four there. And you got AM and Florida kind of right on the outside. I don't know if you could put BYU, even with a double digit victory over this Carolina team, into that same conversation with Ohio State or Florida quite yet. And and again, that's just I, I feel like that's just kind of the nature of the college football bee. So I'm gonna say fantasy, but I think it'll be a great story. And I know you're a sucker for a good story. So maybe it's a reality for you. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a fantasy, and 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 it, I don't think that that is right, by the way, because for me, uh, look, the, they're 13 right now in the college football playoff, and that is just not right. They're undefeated. They are only playing the teams that they can play against them right now. They're adding an undefeated right. team in Coastal Carolina. Here's the question. Should they be ahead of Florida? Well, I'm a Gator. You know I'm going to say no. Should they be ahead <laughs> of Texas A&M? I don't think so either. So that's six, and then Cincinnati is undefeated. So that's seven. But if they win the game this week, they should be in the top eight and they should be right on par with the Bearcats. And and honestly, if any of those teams, Florida, A&M, or Cincinnati lose, they should leapfrog those. They at least have to have a chance to get in there. And right now they don't, which I think is unfortunate because we're not talking about BYU being Coastal Carolina or Liberty. I mean, this is a big step above those teams. They've been dominant in every game that they've played. It's not like they're even winning any close games. They crushed Boise State at Boise State. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say fantasy, but I'm going to say that it should be a reality. And um, look, there's going to be an SEC championship, and it could be Florida playing against Alabama. One of those two teams will eliminate themselves. The only problem is I don't see the rest of those teams losing, although Clemson will play against Notre Dame. So that could be another team that would be on the way out. But what if Notre Dame just has one loss? Are they going to put BYU over Notre Dame with just one loss? Probably not. It's going to be tough uphill battle, but I'm going to say fantasy should be a reality. Who would you okay. like to see BYU play on. in a bowl game? If, if you had, if you had your druthers, they'll play the, they'll you know, play, uh, I don't know. Um thinking it through well, Fiesta like, bowl, Fiesta bowl. Yeah. Well, They'll get well, into well, one of the old championship no, games. No, but I mean, like, and I mean, like, it is an opponent, like your dream opponent for BYU to kind of get a better measuring stick for them. Would it be oh, playing it? Uh, yeah, if Cincinnati was undefeated, I think that'd be a great game. I agree. I think the Cincinnati is one I would circle too and say, let's put Cincinnati and BYU in a bowl game and let's that have a raise be bonanza because that would be fun. So they, yeah, I don't know go. that they would make Cincinnati go. They're going to be really careful with traveling this year, so I don't know right. that they'll make Cincinnati go all the way out west, but. But BYU should be playing in either the Fiesta Bowl or would they make them maybe make BYU travel to play in the Sugar Bowl? I suppose that's a possibility. Well, they're going to play in a New Year's Day game. I mean, there's there's no doubt that they well, deserve they should. to be at they least in that. That would be a joke. That would be that would be a huge joke. You never know. You never know. They could they could <laughs> screw them. You never know. Um, okay, so uh, let's go to the NBA here. Training camp is opening, and basically the management of the Rockets are saying that they're going to give James Harden his time, whatever that means, to figure out things. Uh, look, this is just not a good situation in Houston for sure. It doesn't feel like he's part of the decision making process, and I suppose there's only a couple of guys that are involved in that. LeBron being one of them, but. They traded Westbrook away. Nobody nobody knows if Harden wanted him there or wanted him out. It's, it's just <clears throat> such a wild scenario. There was talk that he would be traded. He's posting him drinking wine. I mean, no one no one knows what's going on here. So that's why it's perfect for fantasy reality because we just guess. We have no idea. Uh, all so, right. Well, fine. I'll, that's good. Go ahead. I'll, I'll fantasy guess. reality. Harden will be a rocket on Christmas Day. Less than a month. All right. Well, first of all, it's so nice to have some time. You know, it's like uh, how Stella got her groove back, or or is this like on a break? 
It's it's like uh, Ross and Rachel and friends where they're just on a break right now. And James Harden and the Rockets are on a break and God forbid he starts to see other teams. Maybe, I don't know. I'm going to say that it is a, a, a fantasy that he will be a Houston Rocket. I think he will be gone. I think he sees his window starting to close here a little bit. And I think he desires a championship. Maybe one of the few players out there that are maybe really motivated by this concept of a championship because I think there's few and far of those players in between. And that's okay. Like that's just, you know, it's it's very difficult when there's millions of dollars being thrown at athletes to think, okay, not only do you have to care about your job security and where you want to be and your family wants to be and all that stuff, but you also have to really, really want to win a championship too more than anything else. I think for a lot of guys, the job security, their situation. You know, they can be competitive. They want to be a playoff team. Anything can happen. But that desire to be one of the greats, I think Harden has that. And I don't think he sees that ability there with what they're doing and what's left there in Houston to make that happen. I don't see it. I don't think bringing in John Wall is the piece that puts you over the top if you're the Houston Rockets. I think he wants to get out of Houston. I think he wants to go somewhere else. And I don't think this notion of him playing in Brooklyn is absurd. I really don't. I think Brooklyn would have to give up a lot. I've seen what the trade looks like. In order to get something like this done, you're giving up a ton of depth. But you know what? In the NBA, I think you take that shot. And I think if you're a New York team like the the Brooklyn Nets are, I think you take that shot as well. Because here's the thing. The Knicks have been irrelevant for the better part of the last two decades. And I know that hurts a lot of people, a lot of New York basketball fans. But it's the God's honest truth. And it's sad. It's sad for me because I think basketball is better when the Knicks are good. But there's a real opportunity there. Could you imagine those three superstars together in Brooklyn and what they could possibly do and how they could capture this town next year in 2021? I think it would be a fascinating thing. I think it would be much must-watch NBA. So I actually don't think he's a rocket come – I think this little break is really a break where they can start investigating what's out there and how they can make this work and maybe save face in the organization because it seems to me, at least, Craig, that he wants out, and I can't blame him. Yeah, I'm going to say – I'm going to say reality – but I do think he'll get traded at some point this season. I just don't know that teams are not set to go into the season. They're set to go into training camp right now without with their teams. So it's going to be really hard for them to match up. The other thing that's problematic here is Houston has to be very careful about the message that they're going to send their fan base if they send them to somewhere in the West as well. So uh, like Golden State with Clay Thompson being out. Like, I, I mean, I don't see how you could just do that and basically say we're going to trade him to a team that's going to pound us. But uh, Milwaukee's got to do something to keep Giannis around, I, I would think. You mentioned Brooklyn. I think that's a possibility, too. There'll be other teams in play for him. But what we saw is the East is fairly wide open again. Miami almost got to the championship or almost mm-hmm. won the championship, excuse me, last oh, yeah. year. So, got there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, so honestly, I'm going to say he's traded. I just think it's too soon. I, I don't think it's going to happen now. I see some sort of in-season trade. That would that would be my prediction there. And finally, Farhan Zaidi last night did a press conference with some of the local beat writers in San Francisco. And when he was asked about the designated hitter in 2021 in the National League, said that he thinks that there will be uh, no DH in the National League for at least one more season. So that kind of sent some shockwaves up and down sports because clearly Farhan Zadi is not going to come out and say that if he didn't believe that to be true. So our last fantasy reality question of the week, the National League will have the DH in 2021, fantasy or reality? Well, I think the perspective there is probably the perspective of, well, we're going to use this as a bargaining chip 
because the players association wants this because they want to get more guys paid and get them paid longer and stay in the major leagues. And it's, it's a win for the players union. And if we will know one thing about major league baseball, they really don't like to give a lot of W's to the players association. And we can have that discussion for an entire two hours at some point. And maybe we will come February when we're looking for something to talk about. But if he's saying it, it starts to make me a little bit worried that maybe that is the case. And I think it is a completely awful idea to continue on without the DH. And I'm a National League Baseball fan. I grew up with National League Baseball. That's it's how I uh, look. It's just absurd at this point where pitchers hitting has gone to and how far it's fallen off. And I understand it's fun to watch Madison Bumgarner at a home run from time to time. And I get there's a couple guys that can swing the stick. But it's just not something any of these guys are prepared for. And it's really kind of you know, ruined the game. Now, look, you could also say that, you know, the DH has taken on a lot of managing, a lot of double switching, a lot of other stuff and a lot of uh, parts of the game in terms of strategy. And that is also fair. But we have to evolve. And I think it should have the DH. But now that he's saying it, it gives me pause. So I think maybe it is a fantasy that we're not going to have it. Maybe they're just going to, instead of making what's the right decision for the best interest of baseball, they're going to hold this over the Players Association as a bargaining chip for the CBA next year. And that would be par for the course. So the more I think about it in that direction, yeah, maybe that will be the case. And I think it's absolutely positively 100% the wrong way to go. It is time to just move on, put the DH everywhere. It worked last year. I think most teams will step back and say, oh, you know what? It worked. And I don't think many of the fans who complained about it really even cared by the time we got a couple games into the season. They just kind of accepted it because we accept it with interleague play. It's not like we don't see it with National League teams anyway, Craig. It's just absurd that one league plays by a different set of rules than the other. It's just so stupid. And then how do you put them all together at the end of the year and play the World Series where the rosters are built differently? It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's really an interesting dynamic what's happening there. I'm also going to say fantasy. It does appear that we're heading toward just going back to the way it was. And there's part of what you're saying I think that is valid, which is it is a bargaining chip. But the more that I'm kind of asking and getting understanding, it's more along the lines of they don't want to fight this offseason because they know there's going to be a fight coming up in uh, in 2021 at the end of of that campaign. So I think what we want here is a clean year with no fighting. Uh, the other part of it is is this, is that how can Major League Baseball let this go on this deep into the offseason? And make no mistake about it, we're in December now without knowing whether there's going mm-hmm. to be one or not. So if you're operating with basically two years ago's rules, then that's where you are right now. It is a tough one, I, I got to say, especially in some teams not knowing whether they should tender contracts or not. Players like Nelson Cruz, whether or not, hey, look, I have a $10 million offer. Do I take it or do I wait to see if 15 more teams may be interested in me? Uh, I, I, I'm i trending the same way as you. I, I think that we'll have one more year of, uh, of just pitchers hitting, and they'll put it to bed quickly so there won't be a discussion. There will be no fighting. We won't be talking about labor this offseason. But then again, I think uh, next year, I think we will have quite a battle. And that will be included in the battle, I think, for sure. Yeah, so no expanded playoffs. And basically, things go back to the way they were two years ago. At least I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. Okay, Sports Grid 60 is next. And then we wrap up the week. So make sure you stay on the grid. Joe and I will be back in just two minutes right here on SportsGrid.com. Don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As we wrap up the show, just a reminder, a couple college football games on tonight. We are going coast to coast with Scott Farrell coming up a little bit later. And then, of course, in-game live. That is your spot for all the college basketball updates, all the college football updates, and, of course, everything going on in the NBA coming up in a little bit less than a month from now. As we wrap up the week, let's turn it over to Joe. And he has the Sports Grid 60. Joe, take it away. It's been a very, very, very bizarre week or so for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they've lost one of their best defensive players. Yet they're still undefeated. And I know I talked about the Steelers yesterday, but I'm not talking about them today. I'm talking about another team, a team that the Pittsburgh Steelers are actually playing this weekend. And it is the Washington football team. And I just want to throw this out there for everybody because athletes are creatures of habit. And whenever you get them off their schedule and off their habit, Things happen that are weird sometimes, and streaks are kind of difficult as well. And if there's one team right now that is kind of oddly dangerous, it's the Washington football team. They don't know they're not supposed to be competing. They are competing lately. And in fact, they're coming off a huge Thanksgiving victory, beating Dallas in Dallas. That defensive front has played fantastic, including rookie uh, prospect Chase Young, who's been absolutely fantastic. They are one of the best, as we said earlier, to close out our one year on the show, one of the best fronts in terms of getting sacks that there is in the NFL. So if you get some pressure on Roethlisberger and you have the same kind of drops, same kind of miscues and missing one of your key defensive pieces, no, maybe just maybe Washington might pull off one of the strangest upsets we've seen of all of 2020. Well, if you thought things were bizarre, get ready, because they can possibly get even more than what we're about to see here. There's a report today saying that the possibility exists that both the Chargers and the Rams are going to have to leave the state of California to play the rest of their regular season games. So where could it be? Arizona's already hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Is it possible that the Raiders, who used to play in Los Angeles, who now play in Las Vegas, are going to end up hosting another team from Los Angeles? <laughs> Stay tuned. Monday, we'll have some answers on that as well, if you thought things couldn't get any weirder. That'll do it for the show all week long. Thanks to LTN, Brett, Danny, and Ryan. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you again on Monday at noon Eastern right here on Sports Grid. See ya.